Canterbury fails. Their Canterbury fails. Probably never read them. The Canterbury fails. Might be moralistic or boring. Might be rhetorically soaring. Their Canterbury fails. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. We are back. Welcome to the Canterbury Tales for 2023. The Canterbury Tales. Really? Oh, no. It's the Canterbury Fails. Yeah. It's a uh, fail that you said tail, so we're good. We're okay, good. so we're totally okay with it? We're totally good. All right. Uh, I am David Coley. And I am Matt Hussey. And uh, today we have a Middle English poem, and I put poem in scare quotes, oh. for you. <laughs> uh, it is called Rats Away. It's pronounced Rats Away! It's pretty awesome, actually. Uh, the title has an exclamation. Oh, well, no, I think that I think the exclamation point is editorial, but but we, we can we can debate about that. So, so the title. <laughs> so, so everything about this. It turns out that everything may be editorial here, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Rats Away. Matt is going to tell you a little bit about the drink that he has concocted for Rats Away, and then we are going to have a discussion about this poem. Rats Away. Rats Away. Yeah, we are going to talk. Rats about Away. It. Rats Away. Are you ready? Okay. The Let's physical description. So this poem is found. Uh, in apparently a terrible, illegible scrawl, uh, in Oxford Bodleian Manuscript Rawlinson, C228, it is a 15th century paper codex of English provenance. It has been bequeathed to the Bodleian Library in the 18th century. Rataway is surrounded by religious material, for the most part. It's, there's a 14th century Carmelite uh, Richard Lavensham's little treatise in there. Oh Some notes on the Bible in Latin. Uh, extracts from Defensor and Liber Scintillarum, also in Latin. Skint, yes, I know. All right. Yeah. Lay folks catechism in Middle English, commentary on the Decalogue in Middle English, and a couple Latin exempla. Rats Away is sort of tucked in there. Okay. Um, and it was published as so many of our Canterbury fails, that's fails with an F, are in the 19th century in the EETS series, uh, edited by Frederick Furnival. Furnival. Yeah. Furnival. You know, I was trying to do a little bonus reading because I'm a nerd, um, and I found there's somebody has written a PhD thesis in Britain on on Furnival's prefaces. Wow. To his all these publications. I actually would really be interested in I would that. not read that. No, I would read it. I, I mean, some of them are fascinating. I know. As we talked about the one last week. About his kid. I know. Okay, sorry, well, carry on. The, the, the one thing that I would notice here, uh, Rats Away is a charm. Uh, yes. And it is a charm to, as you would imagine, keep Rats, rats Away! away. Um, I'm going to do that every time. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, and so what I find, one of the things that I find interesting, and this is something that we might want to talk about, is that Furnival puts it in a section of political poems, which I find a, an extremely odd choice because it does not seem political to me. Um, no. Furnival also notes that the writing on the page is very, very illegible. Yes. Why? It's a flyleaf. It says it's a flyleaf. Yeah. So it's probably been at the end of this book worn away forever. Right? And, and clearly an edition, late edition, not originally part of the book. Yeah. So I guess one of the questions that we might ask is why is this a fail? Um, simply oh, it's put, clear why it's a fail. <laughs> simply put, it is not an impressive poem, but... Also. Also, there is, to the best of my knowledge, nothing. nothing. Zero scholarship on this poem, which frankly suits it quite nicely. It is, as I said... A charm? You found one? I found one piece of scholarship on this poem. Oh my god, where? 
Bruce Dickens, right, who was also an Anglo-Saxonist, an old English scholar, uh, wrote a short article on who Saint Cassie is. I actually want to hear that because I have not been able to determine that. I can mm. talk knowledgeably about Saint Gertrude, but we can talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, but it is a charm. As From like 19, this is literally like 1952 or 20. <laughs> so this is not it's, contemporary scholarship. It might not even be a hundred years. I mean, it's it's really old. So okay. Carry on. All right. Well, so it is a charm uh, for avoiding one's house of rats. We've done some charms on the Canterbury Fails God, before. Have, I feel like we've had a real charm. I do. Run. It's, it's a charmed, it's charmed it's existence a charmed here life on the Canterbury Fails. And it appeals to various religious figures. It is also, and this was important given that we're in the thick of a brand new semester, mm. short. Uh, so short, yes. in fact, that I am going to read this entire thing right now. Oh, you right now? For everybody it's to happening. hear. Are you ready for this? Rats away. Rats away! Rats away! E command all the ratons that are here about, that none dwell in this place within, nay without. Mm. Through the virtue of Jesu Christ that maribar about, that all creatures own for to loat. And through the virtue of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and Jan, all four O angels cordon into on, through the virtue of Saint Gertrude, that my declaim, God grant that grass, that non raton dwell in this place, that here namus were namelid in. And through the virtue of Saint Cassie, that holy man, that prayed to God Almighty for Scathus, that they daiden his maiden. <laughs> Bedeus and benicht, God bade him flen and gone out of every man sicht. Dominus Deus Sabot, Emmanuel the great goddess Norma, e betwitch this place from ratons and from all other shama. God save this place from all other wicked wheatus, both the dais and benictus, mm-hmm. in nomine patris and fili et spiritus sanctu. Et Amen. Cetera. Yeah. So that is rats away. That is in totally its entirety. Right. Yeah, we now we now everyone in this who listened right now, they know as much about this as we do. At this, it point. is it has literally more people have just heard this poem in the last five seconds than have heard it in the last fifty years. Probably, yeah. yeah. I feel kind of like an archaeologist. I know you. We dug this like, up. I'm Rats reaching into the ancient away. tomb and I'm pulling out, you know, this dusty. Rats away. Rats away. I know we didn't. If you read it, I mean, you invoke it like that. Oh, well, that's kind of powerful too. They I know. Are. We have we All have the spoken. Rats are running words. down the mountain right now. So thank God. So there is one other bizarre, unexpected twist. Are you going to talk about the afterlife? I'm going to talk about the. Can afterlife. we talk about that after the? Cocktail yeah, let's life. have the cocktail. Okay. So I was charged with coming. Our 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 co-pilot. Um, Appa, the dog, is very, very fired up right now, so it's good. The rats away apparently doesn't work on him. Um, thankfully, he's not a rat. He's not a rat. He's not. He's a big, fluffy um, boy. Of course. Okay, so the first thing that I found was that I wanted to read a little bit about St. Gertrude. Yes. Now, St. Gertrude... Which St. Gertrude did you find? Well, there's two. Yeah. But I'm talking about not St. Gertrude the Great. You're talking about St. Gertrude of, of Nivelle. Nivelle. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And who who is often depicted with rats in her iconography. She is a patron saint against rats. Yes. And of cats. I know. I'm sure she's getting a lot of internet play because of the cat thing. But here's what I would like to... I read her little, you know, account in Catholic Lives... Um, lives of saints and um, so here's the thing there is an old tradition based on Saint Catherine a uh, Gertrude sorry Saint Gertrude that Saint Gertrude um, asked some of her followers to go on a sea voyage 
And off they went on the sea voyage somewhere far away. And as they were sailing, a sea monster attacked their boat. Did you read this? Did you hear this? Okay. And they were terrified, so they invoked the name of St. Catherine. And upon that invocation, the sea monster left them alone. So it became purportedly a tradition that when one was embarking on a voyage, one would drink before the voyage a St. Gertrude's cup, or in Dutch or something, Sinte Gertsminne, or Gertrudenminne. Gertrude. A cup in remembrance of St. Gertrude. And this would ensure your safety for the journey. So I looked up a recipe for St. Gertrudesminne. And, and here it is n- no, in front of us. this no. is not it. <laughs> All for naught. There's okay. no recipe for St. Gertrude's Minna. So my next stop was a rat-based cocktail. Okay. I have gone to some great lengths to have strange animal products in our drinks. Is there a rat in this cocktail? Hells no. Okay, thank God. Yes. Um, instead, I have made what's called a Rat Pack Manhattan. Oh, that sounds good. A Rat Pack Manhattan was created by Wayne Collins, a very famous London bartender in the year 2000. Um, it original, the original recipe of the Rat Pack... Um, the Rat Pack uh, Manhattan included um, a different whiskey for each of the members of the Rat Pack. Wow. Plus an orange liqueur for Sammy Davis Jr. Because he was, quote, the wild card. I'm not really sure how to read that. I'm a little, it's a little <laughs> it's troubling. Kind of, I'm actually sort of uncomfortable yeah, with Yeah, I'm that, a little troubled by it. But I stuck with the recipe because of the name Rat Pack Manhattan. Okay. Um, so this is the Rat Pack Manhattan. It is a Manhattan with a few extra bells and whistles. It's got a cherry and an orange on it. It's served up, and it's um, it's you know, it's a nice golden amber oh, color. Oh, it is nice it's icy cold drink. Chin chin. Chin chin. It's all right. That is good. Yeah, that is good. So what did you use? Four, whis- four whiskeys? Five whiskeys or whatever? Well, no. You've got Dino, the, the, you've got Frank, you've I got... I mean, I can I name them The all? modern recipe is just one bourbon, plus it's a, it's a perfect Manhattan, so it's half dry vermouth, half um, sweet vermouth. Mm. And then there is a uh, rinse of the glass with Cointreau, and of course, orange peel and cherry. It's delicious. It's not bad. No, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, and it packs a wallop. It does. This is this. This could, in fact, I believe, drive out some rats. It's gonna drive something out of my brain. Yeah, which, which is I need driving. Need it, I need it's Friday driving. afternoon. Here we go. All right, let's talk really quickly about the afterlife of okay. this poem because it is beyond weird, and I don't know what to do with it. And I actually think we may end up spending as much time talking about what happened and why this poem has this afterlife than we do talking about the poem itself. Because you've just heard the poem. There's not much to say. Although I do want to hear who St. Cassie is. Uh, yeah. Go. So tell me about the afterlife In of the poem. In 1936, mm. this poem... Dark Days. ...was translated into modern English. When I say translated, I mean it was modernized very lightly. Yes. By, it doesn't need a lot of translation. No, it does not. Oh, I can taste the orange. It's, yeah, it's not good. bad. It's, it's not good. bad. Sammy. By, <laughs> such a wild guy. <laughs> by W.H. Auden, of all people. Okay. And it was then set to music okay. in an orchestral song cycle by Benjamin Britten. Oh, my God. Called Our Hunting Fathers. So this is two massive geniuses of the modernist of art history. Auden, obviously a major poet. leaned into rats away. Yep. 
Shield of Achilles, Stop All the Clocks, no, Mercedes de Beaux Arts. Know who he you is. know who Auden is. Bitten is probably best known now for his Young People's Guide to the Orchestra, but he was a major orchestral. And Britain? Yeah. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Opera composer. Huge. Important figure in 20th century orchestral music. Our Hunting Fathers was nominally about human beings' relationship with animals. Oh. However, I like it. at the time, and this comports, I think, in interesting ways with uh, Furnival's choice to put this in the political poems, uh, it was recognized as a thinly veiled leftist commentary. This, the, the opera was. The opera was. On the ills of interhuman relationships, which were in 1936. Not going well. At a, at a low. Yeah, we're not going well. It's it not a pretty five time. sections of which rats away with its oddenized 15th century libretto is the second. Our hunting fathers is, and I'm going to put this as kindly as I can, also a fail. Oh, I'm sure it's never been there reproduced. Is, there is almost no scholarship on it. It's score. And I have found a review of our hunting fathers oh. from its original 1936 oh I want to hear release. that do you have a do you have from, a stinging yeah excerpt? it is from the observer oh okay this is what was written it was I guess I guess unveiled at a festival among other operatic and, and, and orchestral works love it after Vaughn Williams five Tudor portraits okay here we another go. work that was given to come upon Benjamin Britten Lightly unburdening himself of dire nonsense. Oh, dire nonsense. Was a curious experience. Since, however, those parts which W.H. Auden has directly contributed to the text of Our Hunting Fathers remain obscure even after a tenth reading, judgment of Mr. Britton's composition as a whole would be unfair. But it did seem, all things considered, that what he had done was hardly worth doing. Oh. And that having done it, he would have served his reputation better had he remained like the Hunting Fathers at the end of Auden's text. Oh! So that is a burn, man. <laughs> I we we will play. We can leave a little space here. We can maybe play a little bit of this at the end, if so everybody taste, can hear it. If you want to taste, oh, we can't play much. I'm sure there's rights to this music. Oh yeah, but it's because on YouTube. someone cares. About someone it. cares. It's on YouTube. It's probably on Spotify, so you can listen to this all you want. Why would W.H. Auden and Benjamin Britten do this? Do this? Why would they take this doggerel charm against rats? Oh my God! I have, I have, and put it in a kind of pre-war payon to peace from a leftist perspective. What's happening here? Okay, um, okay, I don't know, but I have, <laughs> I might have some things that I can just say. Which may or may not, for what it's worth. All right. So first, we we both know that Auden was deeply interested in the medieval, yes. right? And translated, in fact, old English poetry into modern English. Mm -hmm. So he's clearly he clearly has ideological and aesthetic use for the medieval past. Okay, I don't know. One. So that puts us in the why would Auden be even know about this? Right. I mean, and, and this is before, um, you know, the, 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 well, no, I guess, I guess Furnival had published this by this Well, point. that's the thing. No. So, I mean, so, so he presumably came upon this in this very ETS edition. Or, but there's or was another around edition. The Bodleian. There's another, isn't it in, in um, what's his doodles, 14th and 15th century poetry? It's in another Middle English collection. Oh. Right, a later one, which I think likely was the—I mean, probably the one that Auden came came upon because it was an Oxford University Press one or whatever. But 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 it but the making of it political has to be based on the fact it's not a political poem, it's at least 
ostensibly, right? right? So it has to be, their decision, Auden and Britain's decision to make it a political poem has to be based on the Fernavalian tradition, right? Right? I would have to I would have to think so. Okay. And so I mean what what this puts me in mind of I mean there's a there's a Seamus Heaney poem uh, about keeping small things down or keeping things whole that is again about and I, I I this literally is just coming to me now, I'm not prepared, I don't even think I have the title right. But it is also a kind of me, uh, sort of meditation on fascism on So this uh, do this an anti fascist the rats are Are the rats being driven away? I mean does is is this is this Langlandian? Is it you know? I mean, d- does do, do these rats? Does this charm carry any kind of political charge? I mean, or is it just that it got wedged into this book by Furnival? Auden saw it, saw that there was some political resonance to it, invented a kind of political resonance in a kind of anti-fascist way. Like, yeah. why is this a part of this bizarre tradition? I mean, not tradition, project. Project. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I like your. I hadn't even thought of the rats in Langland. So that to me is productive. That to me is productive. If we were to talk about it as a medieval poem, right? Um, certainly. I'm gonna. Here's my next facetious. <laughs> here's my facetious comment, which will tap into a long-standing coleying, coleish tradition, in which I'm going to yes, oh, you redeem are. the rats. Redeem rats away. Rats away. I'm going to redeem rats redeem away. It. I mean, here's the here's other thing. Here's what it is. I note, by the way, that I have just read this poem aloud. Do you see any rats in this apartment? Hell no, it's working. It's working. It's, it's working. doing its thing. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to redeem it, and here's how. Here's this poem that starts out in these rhyming couplets. Yep. But its form breaks down significantly. Yes, it does. Its form gets it goes off the rails. It's I mean it looks to me like a, it's a a a <laughs> b b b and then the shit hits the fan. And then these short lines, non-rhyming lines, it's very bad. Clearly Furnival had to work to make it look like poetry. So the broken form that this poem has, the illusion illusions, sorry, cultural illusions to to past monuments like Saint Gertrude, the evangelists. Indeed, I think there's an allusion to a Chaucer, right? Because I think that line, Thurk the vertu of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and Yon, all four angelis cordon into on. I think that's from Melaby. Okay. The tale of Melaby. And then on top of that, the quotations of foreign languages, Latin, Greek, Hebrew. What is this? This is essentially... The Hollow Men. T.S. Eliot's shattered poetics. This, rats away. Is the medieval Hollow Men. It is a shattered, um, destroyed form. It's got these allusions to the past, but mm. they're just, they're, the fragments are not shoring up against anybody's ruin. It is this sort of broken postmodern masterpiece that I think we, are, this is what Auden picked up on. Auden, ever the keen reader, is the one who has this epiphany that this poem is actually about the state of human humanity in the pre. Uh, sorry, um, what's it called when you're between two wars? The between two wars. The interwar period. Interwar period. That's what I'm talking about. It's a post-Eliotin um, r- sort of reconstruction of a medieval hollow men. 
I do not believe a word of that. You shouldn't, because it's totally facetious. But I love it. Ah, I love yeah, it. Thank you so much. There's also, I, I do, I am interested in the formal thing. I would love to actually see this poem on the page. I assume it's just shattered in a sort of, well, just, I mean, you know, at this point in manuscript history, we, I mean, poems are being written out in long lines. Like, yeah. Or not long lines, but in, well, long lines, well, but in, also in, in, that in poetic line. Like poetic line. Yeah, so it might, I mean, so does but it, I can't imagine how this thing would be written on a page, except for maybe as Furnival represents it. Um, unfortunately, the I did look, the Bodleian no, does no, not have it digitized, which is fair enough. Uh, they have a lot of manuscripts. <laughs> Costs a lot of money to digitize. But I was interested in what the medieval scribe was like doing here. So, I don't know. That's my that's my take. I think, I mean, you know, first of all, I think there's a publication in that. Yeah. Second of all... <laughs> fucking hell. Second Jesus. of all, I, I sort of love that idea. I mean, I, I do love the idea that this little charm becomes a kind of uh, sort of poetic collapse. Um, it, it clear. It's a total collapse. It's the end of the tradition. It's like everything's falling apart. But there is not a, with a bang, but a whimper. This is the it. But but there is also. It, it is worth noting. It, it there is a kind of return to structure at the end. There is this attempt. But look how right. awkward it is. He has. The, well, where is it not awkward? It's not well, like, the first. I was going to say the first four it's lines. It's not. I command all ratons that are here about that none dwell in this place within nay without. I mean, it doesn't lock on to a meter ever. I know. It keeps so, its rhyme scheme for four. It keeps its rhyme scheme for four, and then it tries to institute another rhyme scheme, and then it seems it almost breaks down into a kind of bob and wheel structure there well, for, for a, a second, second or I two. was like, is this an alliterative poem? It's no, not. No, but it's it acts not. like it. When you read it, it sounds like it there. That, that holy man that prayed to God Almighty for Scathus that they did and his maiden be deus and be nicht. I mean, I it know, right? sounds like that. Don't you think it's it going to go that like way? It looks like that on the page. And then it does produce six yes, nom, is... sham, witis. There's a macaronic Nictus. thing that's going on. Yeah, that's why I think it's the hollow men. I love it. Where where Elliot moves from like... Redeem. Graceful. It's redeem. It's redeem. We've redeemed. Right away! So we're there. Um, and you did it, not me. I'm excited about that. Well, I had to I had to pick up the slack because you've been... You've let go of that redemption desire in well, your I've life. I've been so roundly mocked. I it. know. Oh, I'm sorry. Geez. So here is the thing that I have a question for you. Yeah. Be, you know, for for rats away, which is this is a you said 15th century manuscript. Yep. Okay. Um, I am intrigued by by I can't. Th this has to be about the plague. I mean, it's just, like, so plaguey. Well, it's because of the rats, man. You think? I do. You think that's why I'm thinking of that? But I don't know that it is. I mean, you know, in my in my little, tiny, little plague-filled heart, I want for it to be about the plague, but there was not the sense until much, much later. Um, are you totally sure, man? I'm not totally <laughs> sure. I'm not totally sure. I don't think we are totally sure. It's not just that I'm not totally sure. I don't know that there is... By the 15th century, were they like, maybe the rats have something to do with it. Let's get rid of them. Except I think rats are ubiquitous. I know. How I mean, could there not be rats? There are rats at healthy times, too. So this is not about rats in terms it's... of hygiene. It's rats eating your I grain. I assume it's rats eating your grain. It's yeah. rats eating bags of food. I think yeah. it's rats as a nuisance, not rats as a vector for disease. I mean, I would love for this to be a plaguey poem. I'm willing to buy that just like I'm willing to buy that it's the hollow man <laughs> but I don't think it is I actually just think it's rats are in your house they're in your cupboard they're eating your 
stuff. They're causing, you know, damage. You wake up in the morning and they've, you know, rummaged into the burlap bag where you have your flour. Like, I think those are the kind of rats that they're trying to get rid of, not pestilential rats. It just, it I know. just feels so plaguey. This inv- this, it's, it's, so it's yet, like, we've been Well, that would certainly fit with the idea of a kind of collapse, Right. Right. Yeah. This like this broken tuition at the end of the devastated. So there plague are era. manuscripts. There are manuscripts that have images of rats uh, in dealing with the plague of Justinian. So there may have been some knowledge. Oh, that's but that's fifth century. I understand what it was, but there are discussions of the plague of Justinian later, and there are manuscripts that show. So there may there seems to have been some kind of maybe there's a sort of vestigial knowledge, but I, I mean, plague was understood in the 14th and 15th centuries as being caused by miasmas, as being caused by poor diet, as being caused by you know the the, the, the southern wind. It, okay, so they produce all of these reasons that the plague's happening: wind, miasma, whatever. What, was one of them rats? I don't think one of them was rats. God, they were dumb. I know. They God. had no idea. <laughs> what Absolutely idiots. no idea. Mainly it was God. I'm just kidding. Mainly it was God. Well, God so, punishing this, us for our iniquities and yeah. so forth. I mean, because this, the reason I think it's plague is not just the rats, right? I do think it's the rats. The rats make me think of the plague. I'm sorry, but yes. But the other thing is that like in the, the other sort of medical-ish spell slash charms that we have talked about on this podcast... Um, is the is this like the the calling upon the saints, the evangelists, the calling upon God and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost to protect my body, to ho- keep me whole, to keep me, and like we have all of those features structurally. Yep. We're calling on Saint Gertrude. We're calling on Saint Nicasius. We're calling on the four evangelists, like you know, to to protect the health, the wholeness, the, the, the like, the intactness of our bodies. Yep. And yet it's about rats. So it's like I just feel like. I know. Okay, maybe it's about protecting grain. Sure, I bet rats were a total nuisance when you lived in a medieval house, whatever. But like, I just—it's—it sounds so plaguey. I, I, I'm again willing to entertain that notion. Um, I, I'm also willing to acknowledge that you know we don't know everything about how the plague was uh-huh. understood. We don't uh-huh. know. I mean, uh-huh. there there may have been a sense that rats were the cause of it. Um, I just see a lot of rats and a lot of people bo- are getting booboed up. I'm worried. I, I know. I no, know. I hear you. I mean, I, I'm just, my, my concern is that, you know, we we see a lot of rats, you know, in 1300 too, in 1200 yep. too. Yep. I mean, so yep. Yep. I don't know that the, the, that the connection was made between the rat and the plague okay. any more than it was made between the flea bite and the plague. <sighs> I think the connection that was made with the plague was the contagiousness of it. That yeah. it was, you know, somebody coughed in your face and that was a way to spread it. Um, and so I think the yeah. plague definitely taught us something about contagion, but I'm not sure that went to the level of the rat. Right. Okay. 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 I, I would love to say otherwise. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe I will. Maybe I'm going to just sort of buy that. It might be something to work on. I don't know. But anyway, the only other thing I had to say about the poem, um, the only other thing I wanted to add is, and this is just an observation, and it's not even worth that much, so it's not really going to, unlike my plague question, this is just an observation, which is like, that um, it's just fascinating to me. Like, we we read the, um, we read the, the sort of Irish Latin, verse charm that was translated or glossed in Old English, right? Um, Which dates to an exceeding, very, very early Middle Ages, Mm -hmm. right? Here we are 700 plus years later and the same sort of 
patterns of thought, the same sort of cultural practices of spiritual sort of hygiene are still in effect. That you pray to Gertrude and Nicassius and the evangelists to to make something happen in the world, right? Like you want protection from rats, here's a charm just for that. So I find it interesting that hundreds of years later, which I think of this sort of like early medieval magical thinking, which is, I, I know that's deeply problematic, but like that it can persists into like, you know, we have the printing press at this point. Right. You know, right. it's like crazy. I mean, I, we've talked a little bit about the sort of, over- I guess we still have it. You know, I, I remember growing up being like, step on a crack, break your mother's back. Right. Like I, I guess I thought that way too. Well, I mean, I mean, we've talked about the, we've, we've also talked about the sort of overlap between these kind of magical charms and religion. And this one obviously totally. engages in that, in, in, in sort of, in, it, it plunges into that space, right? I mean, this is a magical. This is a magical invocation. It is not necessarily. I mean, it, it's 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 religious. It is obviously shot through with Christianity. It, it evokes saints. It evokes Christ. It evokes the evangelists. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also a magical charm, right? It's, yep. it's it's words that do certain kinds of work. It it, it yep. sort of has this performative aspect that we associate with magic. Yeah, and um, I and I found and so, that. I mean, I I, I think. I think that that's something again that that just carries carries through it the period, end. and you're right. I mean, it doesn't I, we, end. we still that do it now. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And I, f- I found that particularly pointed in the mo- in the moment in the poem where it talks about the naming of the names, right? Yeah, like the naming of the names is the thing that's going to drive in this out. place where the name has been named. Yeah, rats won't. I love here. that. I mean, it's yeah. true. Naming is powerful. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I found it. Um, you know, I know you th- you were like, this is a terrible short little garbage poem which you know fair enough it is but you know and it's called rats away i know it's a great title i know rats it's a away. great title rats thank you away. fj furnival um so that is some dog chewy loudness but um Sorry anyway I, I i actually found it not I mean, I hate to, I was going to say charming because, mm. you know, sorry. This sorry is, for the pun. But. This isn't a teachable poem. We've talked about some poems on this thing as being poems that we could teach. I mean, no. maybe you could bring it in as just a sort of way to get people to think through some I mean, of I guess issues. the other part of it that would be what interesting. What is poetry? What constitutes poetry? Right. You know, is those this, kind of questions. What, and, yeah, what work does poetry do? But, yeah, but the other thing that might be interesting if one was to want to bring rats away into one's syllabus would be... Um, which is take a cue from Britain and Auden and like in animal studies, like what is this, this, you know, there's this first person address. I command you rats. Like you're talking to the rats. You're telling the rats to leave as if they are somehow able to follow your instructions. And then it puts the rats in third person and, and, and you, you know, invoke the saints to get rid of them and so forth. But it returns to it at the end, you know, you know, I, I betech the... (laughs) I betwetch the splas from Ratuonis. So, like, it's sort of an interesting, in terms of animal studies, it might be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to rate. Rate it. I'm going to rate this uh, this Rats Away poem on a scale from 1 to 228, which is um, the raw the of the manuscripts. The number of the manuscripts. Um, is it 1 of 228 what, rats? <laughs> No, just 228. Just, just a numerical scale. It's just like I'm thinking about Rawlinson's collection and C, and then C's got one through. There's a lot of 
just Rawlinson manuscripts. So uh, it's a number associated with the poem because I, I feel like we've done the four evangelists. I feel like we've, I don't know. I had to go with something new. All right. One, uh, one to 228, 228 being the highest possible ranking. Right. And I thought a lot, I've been thinking about this a little bit. You know, like it is uh, um, technically unsound. Sound. <laughs> it is not a well written. No, it's not a well-wrought urn, as our new critical fathers might pronounce upon. Um, it is, however, and it, you know, and I, I actually enjoyed learning about Gertrude. Like, I enjoyed, you know, kind of trying to dig in and figure it out. I thought it was a freaking amazing that Auden translated. That's that's crazy. I mean, this is nothing. I know. There are hundreds of poems above this one that I would hope Auden would look at. What the heck? So um, I'm going to give it, out of 228, I'm going to give it a 128. I'm trying to do the Just math. more than half. Oh, okay. It's a passing grade. Just think of it that way. A low pass. So this, it gets a degree. It's C's for degrees, there you baby. Go. Okay. D, or maybe D pluses, but yeah. All right. Uh, out of 228... I was gonna. I was gonna give it. I was thinking about it on a scale of one to five rats when I was thinking about this before you came up with this rating scale. I was gonna give it like two rats. So what so, would that be? Like six, six or seven hundred. Six or seven hundred out no, of sixty or seventy. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> sixty or seventy. Seven hundred. Right, this is not thousands. All right. No. So, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a seventy. Seventy. And so way maybe low. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give it a. 70. It doesn't pass your test. No, it doesn't. I'm gonna give it a seventy-five though because I do like what you've done to it. So maybe those are your <laughs> points that I'm giving to the rat. I need some extra credit, David. I wanted a rough no, week. No extra credit. Seventy-five <laughs> out of two hundred and twenty-eight. The drink. Okay, it's your turn to rank. On a scale of two hundred and twenty-eight, I will give it two hundred. Oh, nice. That is a very tasty drink. It's tasty. It is bitter, which. I like, but there is a kind of the, the vermouth has a, a certain sort of tang to it that I really like. Yeah, I, there's a there's a small sort of hint of orange, and yeah. I can't tell it's if that's the Cointreau or if that or is both. the um, the orange zest. peel. Yeah, um, it's 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 lovely, and and I love these amaranth cherries, and so yeah, yeah I'm going to give that a two out of two twenty eight. All right, I'm going to give it a two hundred as well. That's what I was thinking because um, I love. I love the bourbon richness, um, and I love the sort of complexity that the vermouth adds. I did the tang that you said you appreciated. Sometimes I find, so this is just a little personal taste issue. When I'm drinking a, a Manhattan cold, yep. I love it. As it warms up and the tanginess comes to the forefront, I, I, it starts to, it's like, I feel like a Manhattan's a drink you got to drink quickly. Because I like it really cold. It's dangerous. I know. It is very dangerous. It's obviously not something you order more than a few times. No. <laughs> you <laughs> got to be careful. So um, I agree. I like the drink. The Rat Pack drink. I can picture Frank knocking one back. Um, and uh, so yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, all right. So next time, uh, it'll be an old English text on the Canterbury Fails. Um, otherwise, everyone take care of each other. Be good. We will see you in two weeks. Yes. And wait, uh, stick around for just a few fair use seconds. Fair use. Fair use seconds of Rats Away, the opera. Britain and Auden. <laughs>